Good morning, good afternoon. How's everybody? Good, you're still awake, I like it. Um, a lot of announcements this week. Uh, and so I'm glad to have you with me today. I'm Janine Banks. I'm the general manager of compute services and responsible for engineering and product teams who are building a, a number of our compute services. So we'll touch on some of those today as it relates to how to help you optimize cost and capacity, and essentially, how to make it better, faster, and cheaper to run any of your workloads on AWS. I'm also joined today by Salesforce, Alex Estrovitz, and he is Director of Platform Engineering. They will share their story of how they've been accomplishing that on AWS. So let's jump right into it. I'll tell you what I'm gonna tell you. Then I'll tell you, and then I'll close with telling you what I told you. I don't know if you follow all of that. Uh, so first, the key takeaways of today's session, I'd really love for you to, to kind of go back to your organizations and apply uh, right away. One, helping you experiment and test, right? It's all about like trying those areas that are gonna deliver value for your customers, for your business, and just getting started. And so part of being able to optimize cost and capacity is how do you do that, not just at that stage where you've already uh, deployed a number of workloads, but in those early stages as well, how to innovate quickly, and oftentimes having the lowest cost possible is an enabler of that. Number two, automation. Uh, some customers who have been on AWS for a long time uh, had built their workloads and their development pipelines, of, you know, creating their own ways of automating uh, cost reduction opportunities as well as capacity allocation. So we've since then built a number of services that help take over that heavy lifting to make it easier for you. So we'll touch on automation of costs and capacity management. Number three, optimizing the compute and the environment for your particular workloads. And so we offer a range of compute resources and instance types, and we know it can be challenging for some customers really figuring out what are the best options, what are the, the right resources for my particular workload. So we'll touch on that as well. And then fourth, there are areas where you would like to get some technical assistance, some prescriptive guidance. And we wanna be able to share best practices that we've seen from other customers, learn about things that you have done that has been successful, and also make it possible to create a community amongst all of you so you can share those best practices with each other. So we'll talk about how you can get guidance uh, as a community, but also through services that we've introduced here at the show. So we've been innovating, and thanks to all of you and our customers helping us to continue to build out the capabilities and instance types where now we have over 270 different types of instance. And I think this number is already wrong because of the announcements from this week. And the way that we've been able to continue to introduce these new instance types have led to support for a broad array of workloads and capabilities. So we strive in AWS 
to provide the compute platform for any workload. And that involves really providing the deepest and broadest set of capabilities with the highest performance and at the lowest cost. And working backwards from our customers, getting the feedback from all of you really drives how we prioritize our roadmap. Uh, and over 90% of what we build comes directly from hearing what our customers want us to, to develop. And some of those examples, uh, these are just a few. Uh, millions of customers every month uh, run a range of different workloads. And just for example, Fred Hutch uh, is doing genome sequencing for thousands of genomes and has been able to change the cost equation and the performance uh, of getting those workloads done on AWS from seven years down to days. We also have the example of Autodesk doing rendering as a service and being able to leverage access to spare capacity on EC2 to bring additional power to those, those workloads and being able to complete them sooner and at a lower cost. So these are just a few of those examples. Really across all industries, we see uh, customers uh, leveraging the breadth of capabilities in order to deploy the workloads that they need for their business. So the first part of our discussion will focus on three areas. One, the different pricing options that we have and how you can leverage those for the different kind of workloads you're running, whether those are bursty or steady state workloads. And then two, we'll talk about capacity. What are those mechanisms? What are the uh, ways that you could take advantage of uh, features that we are helping you find the deepest capacity pools? We're helping you to uh, run fleets of instances and be able to automate uh, the way that you're able to provision and get the capacity that you need when you need it. And then third, uh, back to that idea of the prescriptive guidance, uh, what are the, some of the ways you can get recommendations to run those workloads in the most optimal way? So we'll start with pricing. So we have the four pricing options on demand uh, for those workloads either uh, at the early stage of if you're new and first time deploying workloads on AWS here, you can do a lot of testing, figuring out which really works for you. Uh, also, if you have more spiky types of workloads, uh, you can pay as you go, not make an upfront commitment. Two, uh, reserve instances here uh, where you can, you know you have steady start, state AP, uh, workloads and you want to be able to maintain a certain baseline of capacity for those workloads and be able to have a reserved amount and get discounts for those. Three, uh, we introduced, and you may have attended the compute leadership session uh, where we talked about savings plans. Uh, and so savings plans allow you to get discounts of up to 72%, uh, and it allows you to decouple your capacity reservations from the discounts that you obtain. And it really allows you to have that mix and match uh, flexibility. And then fourth, uh, easy to spot. And here is where we have, uh, we plan our capacity for on-demand usage. And then whatever capacity is not used is spare. And we offer that as instances with spot uh, for a very uh, high discount uh, where customers most often can get up to 90% savings off of on-demand prices. And so there are a range of workloads that make sense for spot, uh, but typically those that are fault tolerant 
and are architected uh, to be stateless, uh, we see as a really prime for those kinds of workloads. So we, four different types of purchase options, but what we see when it comes to optimizing costs on EC2 is that it's really how you mix and match those different options when you consider the kinds of workloads that you have. Uh, really, not just using one kind, but if you have steady state workloads, how do you, maybe RIs is the right mix for you. Uh, and then we, for your bursty workloads, leveraging on demand, uh, as well as savings plans. Uh, and then spot, where you have your fault tolerant workloads that can handle interruptions, uh, really having that mix and match. So just to kind of zoom in on that a little bit. Um, historically, in order to get discounts, uh, and except for using spot instances uh, to access spare capacity on EC2, uh, what you would do is uh, purchase a reserve instance, and that allowed you to choose for specific instance types uh, a period for uh, reservation, and then you would get a discount for that, and it would be one and three-year commitment to get those. Here, we introduced uh, over 12 months ago uh, on-demand capacity reservations. And what that does is says, handle discounts separately, focusing on reserving the capacity that you need for that time period that you know you need it. And then you don't have to have a long-term commitment. Once you don't need that reservation anymore, you can uh, you know, cancel the reservation. We also introduced recently a new feature that has on-demand uh, capacity reservation sharing, course account sharing. So previously, it was at an account level that you would create these CRs. And so now you can share CRs across accounts. And so it's really helping customers to look at capacity holistically across their accounts for their organization. Savings plans. I talked a bit about savings plans. Uh, there are two types of savings plans. Uh, one is easy to savings plans, and the other is compute savings plans. Uh, with EC2 savings plans, you can get discounts up to 72%, and it allows you to get uh, EC2 instances and not focus on just individual types uh, at the AZ level. And then for compute savings plans, you have access to EC2 as well as Fargate uh, and getting significant savings up to 66%. So that's offering more flexibility for customers, and that could be a good option, especially when you're doing that. Uh, you have different kinds of workloads where you can benefit from either those that are containerized and you're using Fargate or those that you're using uh, instances. So then Spot. Uh, we talked about kind of this progression of different levels of uh, cost savings that you can obtain with different purchase options. Here, you can get savings up to 90%. When we first introduced Spot, it was based on a bidding uh, model uh, where you would submit a bid and uh, for a price to get capacity, and you had the highest price uh, for the bid, you got the capacity. The other thing about Spot is that the instances can be terminated because it's not guaranteed that capacity will be available. If on-demand customers uh, or instance requests require the capacity, then we return the capacity uh, by terminating Spot instances. And we have a two-minute instance termination notification, uh, or ITN, and then we take the instance of the capacity back. So now, uh, we actually don't have bidding. So if anyone came today and thought about Spot as uh, having a bidding uh, feature, 
uh, just wanted to remind everyone, we actually removed bidding at the end of 2017. And what that has done is created a much smoother uh, pricing curve uh, and a pre more predictable pricing and, and cost with spot. So we've seen a lot of uptake on that and there's been a, a positive uh, reaction to that change. So now when you think about it, instances are the same infrastructure as on demand. Uh, so it's not like some other uh, resource. You're getting the same access to capacity. The pricing is smoother and the usage allows you to have flexibility across different instances in different AZs, uh, even regions. And then capacity, the interruptions I mentioned, actually don't happen that often. And what, I, what, that, what we see oftentimes is the best practice is when you are able to have flexibility. Uh, and what I mean by flexibility, uh, it ties into being instance type flexible, uh, which means that you're not tied to just one kind of instance type uh, at a specific size. Uh, the more you can architect your workload to handle a variety of different instance types. We, there are customers that are using uh, 10 instance types, 20 instance types. You'll, you'll hear from Salesforce uh, on the diversity that they're able to use there. Also, having flexibility based on time. So if you are able to access capacity at a deferred time period, then typically you see less interruptions as well. Uh, so when capacity is returned and available and then different regions. So we talked about the purchase options. Uh, really the theme there is that there are various ways to save money and, and, and reduce your costs uh, by thinking about your workloads and the, the way that they need to consume compute and then taking advantage of the purchase options uh, that align to that usage that you need and the capacity that you need uh, during those time periods. And ideally, having a mix of different purchase options giving you that flexibility. So then we'll dive further into capacity. Uh, first, uh, auto-scaling. Auto-scaling is a service that uh, is responsible for a large uh, proportion of instance launches on EC2. And auto-scaling has two kinds of capabilities. Uh, the fundamental capability is enabling fleet health uh, so that you can make sure your instances are up, they're running, uh, they're healthy. Uh, if there are any issues or outages um, in one AZ, you can rebalance your instance fleet across to other AZs and then balance them back uh, when, that out, when, the, uh, when it's uh, back up and running. So there's a fundamental kind of fleet management, fleet health uh, capability. And then there's this other set of capability that is about managing the instance capacity in your fleet. And that's where you can have different kinds of instance types and leverage different purchase options in your fleet and then allow auto scaling to manage to the target capacity that you need. So recently we introduced a new allocation strategy called Capacity Optimize. And what could, uh, an allocation strategy with auto scaling, what it does is it sets exactly the approach that auto scaling uses for fulfilling your capacity requirement and managing the, and balancing the fleet to maintain that target capacity. 
So with capacity optimized, what we heard from customers is the need to be able to understand where the deepest pools and where you should run your instances uh, that have the least likelihood, if you're running spot, to have interruptions. So starting with focusing on where are the deepest pools, we introduced the capacity optimized strategy and now that's available uh, with EC2 auto scaling and we're already seeing a large uptick in use of that. Then there are two others, the lowest cost, like it sounds, as well as the prioritized list where you say, I want these particular instance types, whether on demand or spot, and then auto scaling will provision and manage to target capacity prioritizing that list. So what we had originally with uh, auto-scaling groups is that you would specify an instance type and then you could have an auto-scaling group for each of those different types of instances. And then what we heard from customers is that it would be easier and to manage and, and, and they would get even more value if they were able to have multiple instance types in the same fleet and allow auto-scaling to manage those as well as multiple purchase options to align with best practices. So now, that's what you're exactly able to do. Rather than having to manage that yourself with different ASGs, within a single ASG, as you see here, for example, uh, with the M4 large and M5 large spot instances, uh, different instance types, and then also different purchase option using on-demand, uh, all within the same auto-scaling group and still able to manage to your target capacity. And then now what we've also done is introduced uh, something called weights, instance weights. So now you're able to uh, weight uh, based on CPU how much an instance type would be fulfilled for your target capacity and prioritize the capacity management weighting on those different types of instances. So this just gives you a picture of that where you can set different weights for different instance types, and then auto-scaling will use that weighting prioritization in order to fulfill the expected capacity. So we introduced about a year ago uh, something called EC2 Fleet, which is a single API that allows you to launch a fleet of instances of multiple types and multiple purchase options. And then what we've done since then is ensuring that that single API becomes a common surface area across the different mechanisms that you can use to launch and manage your fleet. So whether it's EC2 auto-scaling, or you're using ECS, uh, EKS, or whether even third-party services like uh, using IBM or using Kubel, it allows you to uh, be able to manage using a common surface area. So as you have your DevOps, uh, pipeline automated, you don't have disparate ways to handle that. You can have a consistent approach, whether you're directly working with the API and do-it-yourself model, or you're letting auto-scaling do the automation for you. And our strategy is to continue to, uh, when we add new features, our, our, our strategy is to continue to add flags on that API so that we're not introducing new APIs that your teams need to learn and that you need to add into your DevOps pipeline and automation. One of the things that we've heard from customers is that uh, whether, regardless of what services our teams are using and as we move more workloads to the cloud, we want things to be easier to manage. 
And so a big focus in, of our product strategy is to have integration with various different services, whether AWS services or third-party services, open source tools. And so these are just a snapshot of some of the integrations that we've done. And recently we introduced uh, here at the show a new feature with Fargate, uh, Fargate Spot. Uh, we also introduced Enhanced uh, about a few weeks ago or a month ago uh, for Kubernetes clusters, uh, a node termination handler so that spot interruptions could be gracefully handled for Kubernetes uh, clusters. So we're gonna continue to uh, build out these integrations and looking forward to uh, continuing to introduce more of those. So I mentioned earlier kind of getting deeper into these different options, how you design your workflows to get the best cost, the best access to capacity for your workloads. Uh, we have something called an immersion day. And this gives you access to technical resources. Uh, we can um, also get, bring your technical teams together to get hands-on with some of these tools that they may not be familiar with yet or some of these new features. So just to help them learn and, and answer any questions that you have uh, from our teams. So then now we'll talk about guidance. And one of the things that we really are focused on and committed to, uh, like I said earlier, is making sure that we offer a platform for any workload, a compute uh, platform for any workload. So uh, being able to run your analytics, big data, your genome sequencing, uh, being able to uh, process satellite data, uh, augmented reality, really uh, there shouldn't be any boundary to how you can innovate and how your teams can experiment on, on EC2 and, and on the cloud. So with that breadth and flexibility also comes responsibility, we realize, uh, where we need to empower you, empower your teams, make it easier to pick the right tool or primitives for the job. And so that's a, a big focus and why we introduced yesterday something called the AWS Compute Optimizer. And what the Compute Optimizer provides is a machine learning based set of recommendations analyzing your specific workload usage uh, history and then using that to guide you in which set of instances to use starting with MCRT and X instance types instance families. So this gives you access to recommendations for over 140 uh, different instance types. And rather than having to manually kind of go through and test and figure out on your own which ones make the most sense for your workload, you can let Compute Optimizer uh, run and analyze that. So the way to get started, the way this works, is that you go into the console, and then you're able to simply opt in uh, with a click of a button and once you opt in, then it starts to analyze your workload. Uh, and then a certain period of time passes, you have this look back window, and then it generates and starts serving up recommendations for your workload. And the way that we do the recommendations is um, not just one set of options, but we give you a few different options that are ranked based on confidence scoring that our algorithms uh, think that these particular instance types or easy to auto scaling groups would best perform, as well as provide the best cost uh, options. So we think that this is gonna be an, um, 
helpful for customers who have uh, given us feedback that they would like us to make it easier uh, in order to optimize for their workload. Um, and then also we've kind of laid out these best practices. For example, with Spot, I talked about architecting for fault tolerance and uh, managing state outside the application. Uh, using, uh, for example, worker nodes, uh, fleets of worker nodes to be able to uh, respond to application requests, but then being able to handle interruptions and bring up new workers as needed and have the capacity available for that at a great price. All of that is really best practices that we've seen customers successfully use Spot. Uh, and so with Compute Optimizer, this is just taking that a step further to be able to operationalize recommendations. And we want to continue to do more there uh, over time. Another uh, key thing that we did was, uh, this is once you've deployed, you start to learn and analyze your workload and then give you recommendations. We also introduced something called the instance discovery service. And this is even before you deploy, where you're able to have uh, ability to do easy search and comparison of instance types, um, and then be able to determine, even before you deploy, which ones make the most sense. So the way that you access this feature is in the management console, when you go into the EC2 service, you'll see a new navigation, it's called instance types. So you use that to access the instance discovery service, which allows you to browse and do easy search and comparison for all these different instance types. I mentioned over 270. So now what we'll do is we'll dive into some specific workloads. Uh, first, big data analytics machine learning in that category. Uh, second, we'll look at DevOps, uh, continuous integrations and delivery with CI/CD and then websites and web apps. We see that uh, a lot of customers who are getting uh, a lot of uh, benefit in terms of reducing their costs on EC2 and having access to the capacity that they need for their workloads, uh, there's some great things that we've learned uh, in these particular areas, so we'll touch on those. So with big data, uh, we have uh, integration with our Amazon Elastic MapReduce EMR service uh, for our uh, ability to allow you to use EC2 Spot, as well as auto scaling to scale those clusters and then have low cost big data analytics. And it's just massive scale and the cost savings, and, and I don't want to you know, take the thunder away from Alex at Salesforce. He'll talk more about that. But it really allows your scientists, your machine learning engineers to experiment. Because now they, you, can, you can feel confident that you're tapping into the lowest cost capacity in order to run those experiments and gain those insights quickly. And then in machine learning, um, we heard some announcements this week about SageMaker, which is our end-to-end um, -end platform for developers to improve productivity, building machine learning models and training machine learning models. And so we've uh, introduced not long ago the ability to access spot instances uh, and have SageMaker manage the access to that capacity and the provisioning of that capacity automatically. And this is the SageMaker managed spot training capability. We have uh, some sessions here. If you haven't uh, already attended one, you can learn more about that capability. 
So AWS and Salesforce, uh, aside from Salesforce using AWS services, we also have a, a strategic partnership where we work together closely on a number of initiatives and in building new products together. And so I'm pleased to invite Alex Estrovitz to join me on stage to talk about their case study specifically uh, with one of their big data analytics workloads. And I'll pass it over to Alex. All right. Thank you, Janine. So I work for a business unit at Salesforce called Audience Studio. And Audience Studio is a data management platform. So we help our customers um, understand their audiences. Basically, uh, users, consumers are um, browser on the web. That activity is anonymized and collected by our customers, and they send it to us. Then we mix it up with some other rich data sets, and then we give them insights into what their audiences do and who their audiences are and, and how to best um, use that data for, for marketing and analytics. So in short, we help publishers understand their audiences, and we help marketers understand how to best leverage their media buys with those audiences. There's something else that we help our customers do, because this is a big topic lately, and that's consumer rights. So the right to be forgotten and portability requests are a huge um, need that our customers have. And that is really hard with the DMP. Now, traditional databases, you can write a, an export query and do deletes and export things. Um, might take a little time. But with the DMP, we're looking at trillions of immutable data sets over time. And it is a very expensive prospect to try and go through and delete all of that using traditional methods. So what we've done is we built a framework around um, Hadoop and Spark, leveraging Amazon AWS, and, or Amazon's EMR, excuse me. And that's how we've done it. So to give you a sense of the scale of what we're talking about here, we're looking about 200,000 queries per second all day, um, 2 million metrics per second. Um, and what we're doing is we're running about 2,500 uh, EMR clusters every day which is 200,000 instance hours every day. Um, that's a lot of compute. And I don't think we'd be able to do it uh, cost effectively if we weren't using Spot. And we've been, using, we've been using Amazon for about seven years. So we've been at it for a long time. And it used to be a different, a different beast. And we wrote custom tooling to chase after the Spot bidding and try to find the lowest price and try to, try to outsmart the bidding process and make sure that we always got the instances we wanted. And that got a lot easier in recent years when Amazon stabilized the spot market. We used to also have to figure out how to get our job to fit into the hour because it was billed on the hour. But now it's billed on the second, so it's, we don't have to spend all that effort anymore. And to give you an example of how much we save, here's a, here's a real world job. This is on uh, 8XL machines. It's actually three nodes in the lead. Um, we saved about 65% over the on-demand price for those task, task machines. And overall, that's about 48% um, 48 savings on the whole job. 
Now, if you multiply this by 2,500 jobs every day, we've saved an immense amount of money. Awesome. And when you think about the work that you've been able to do with your teams, uh, really at the end of the day, it's uh, important the feedback that you get from your customers on how you're providing your service. So I'm curious if you could share with us, what have you heard from the consumers of this internal service that you built um, and the, how it's benefiting them? I, th I think it benefits them in that um, we're providing this, from the outside, very expensive process, um, really cost effectively. So they get it at a really bargain basement rate, and they're very pleased that we're able to help them manage their consumer rights um, issues. Awesome, and um, you know, with the capacity, different the different capacity options, um, I'm sure that there's probably even more ways that you can continue to optimize um, and kind of not only bringing the cost down, but being able to tap into the capacity pools that you need um, as you need them. Oh yeah, and with the new with the new fleet um, features, it's it's making things uh, even easier and more stable. So. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, I appreciate it, Alex, uh, and thanks for joining us to share how you guys are taking advantage of these things to drive your costs down. Great. Thank thanks. you. Join me in just uh, thanking Alex. Um, there are other sessions, some today, even uh, later uh, after this session, also on Friday, that talk about other analytics and um, AI and big data capabilities and how to leverage those to drive similar results. So then we'll talk about DevOps and CI, CD. Um, what we hear from customers is oftentimes in, it's one of the first areas that they focus when they're moving workloads to the cloud. Uh, this is, a, you know, you're not constrained by time oftentimes. If, if part of the pipeline fails, it's not too difficult to restart or to uh, rebuild. Um, to, to continue your workload. So this has been a, a prime area where uh, a lot of customers focus when it comes to adopting EC2 Spot in particular, as well as work that we're doing to ensure that we can integrate with the ecosystem for, that customers are using to build their DevOps pipelines. So an example of that is with Jenkins, where we provide the fleet um, plugin, and this automatically allows you to scale the fleet depending on the uh, velocity and the uh, automation of your pipelines. Uh, so you don't have to separately manage the capacity and separately spin up the fleet. Directly from within Jenkins, as you're building that pipeline, you can automate that. So we want to continue to make this easier and providing best practices. Uh, so if you take a look at this reference architecture, uh, it shows if you zoom in on the availability zones in the architecture, you see how we're using a mix of not only instance types, but in particular, purchase options. So here, for your Jenkins master, for those of you that use Jenkins for your uh, pipelines, you have on-demand or RIs that you would use, so you want to make sure you have the capacity uh, when you need it. And then for the worker or the Jenkins agent, you use the spot capacity uh, based on the spare. So you drive the cost down, uh, really being able to optimize using a spot fleet for the agents while having the masters on steady state uh, capacity that you know you're gonna have available and it's not gonna be uh, taken away. And having all that behind the application load balancer uh, allows you to have fault tolerance. So those requests come in, you're not concerned with 
a particular node going down because you know you can resume that work on another node and those requests are gonna get balanced across your fleet. So if you take a snapshot, uh, you can access this. This is public, open source, uh, the Spot Jenkins plugin. And also there are additional sessions uh, after today. And then, like I said, websites and web apps. Actually, I was talking to a customer this morning uh, who said to me as part of a, a workshop we were doing um, that I can't run web services on Spot because uh, you can't have those interruptions. And actually, it tends to be one of the prime workloads that we do see customers uh, want to take advantage of, uh, but in general, leveraging different purchase options where even the Spot doesn't make uh, sense for some workloads. Um, and here, we see a lot of customers architecturally are increasingly adopting microservices um, and containers. And so a lot of the adoption of containers is enabling customers to take advantage of the different purchase options and get the capacity when they need it. But previously, you still had to manage your capacity separately. So whether it was an auto-scaling group, you would manage your auto-scaling groups separately, and then you would manage your container clusters to run on the capacity that you've reserved or that you've spun up. So now uh, we introduced yesterday the ECS uh, cluster auto-scaling capability. And this allows you to not have to separately manage your auto-scaling groups because ECS will manage them for you. And so this is great because you can focus on your container architecture and you can focus on the capacity that your container clusters need and not separately have to manage the capacity. It'll automatically be provisioned based on the requirements of your overall clusters. And then taking it a step further with Fargate, which is our serverless container uh, service, it allows you to tap into the capacity as well and also get the lowest price. So yesterday we introduced uh, Fargate Spot to enable you to tap into Spot easily with uh, the lowest cost containers. So in this example, you see running web apps with ECS on EC2 Spot, um, and you're able to have your stateless web services uh, running on worker nodes. And again, zoom in on the specific types of purchase options, because again, mixing and matching them, uh, optimizing it for your particular workloads. And so with the web servers, you having those on spot, as well as uh, you could have stateless web servers on, on demand, depending on your particular uh, architecture. Again, you have your load balancer in front. But a key thing that I often get asked is, what about state? How can I use spot when I, my application has state? So that's the beauty here with this particular architecture using ECS with spot because you manage your session state data outside the application, and that's a best practice that we recommend for our customers when it comes to building fault tolerance into their applications. So if it's architected this way, now the state is managed outside the applications rather than being passed from the clients, and, and here you're able to mix and match the purchase options to get the capacity you need at the best cost. So look at Delivery Hero. Um, their organization has, uh, they deliver food, and so they place, they handle about one million food orders uh, a day and across almost 40 countries. And so this is exciting because they've been able to ramp up the capacity 
uh, as the demand and as the number of orders increases. And so this kind of web service is direct correlation between the number of requests that you're getting and the size of your fleet that is handling those requests. And so they've been able to have, uh, be able to run this kind of workload using the Elastic Kubernetes service with Spot. So here you're having a stateless uh, application, uh, managing that with a similar architecture I showed on the previous slide, and allowing Delivery Hero to drive really amazing results. Uh, they're deploying 90% of their Kubernetes clusters with this type of architecture. So I mentioned EC2 Spot, uh, now available uh, with Fargate, uh, as we call it, Fargate Spot. And so able to get up to 70% off the price of Fargate using the Fargate Spot feature. Um, and so you only pay for what you use, the serverless way, and rather than managing instances or even the clusters for your containers, this just takes that away and allows you to still get the best price. There are additional sessions here uh, still remaining today and the rest of the week. So definitely check those out to learn more about those new features uh, and how to build out those kinds of architectures for your web services. So tying it all together, we zoomed in on a few workload areas, uh, web apps and web services, DevOps. We also looked at big data analytics and the case study from Salesforce. And what it really tells us is that we want to enable you to run any of your workloads on EC2, but we know that we have to make it easy for you to do that, and it has to be cost-effective. And so we continue to look for ways to optimize the cost, not only providing, uh, not just through price reductions, but really offering new capabilities that make that easier. Uh, so that you had the compute optimizer is one way that you can start to experiment using machine learning to optimize uh, your costs and, and optimize performance of your workloads. But you also have a range of purchase options that you can mix and match. And we provide the automation that makes that really easy with auto scaling and, and integrations into other services. So again, the key takeaways from the session, uh, definitely experiment. Try some of these new capabilities to uh, see how they work for your particular workloads. Leverage uh, auto-scaling. We do have uh, significant numbers of the instance re requests, instance launches on EC2 that are through auto-scaling, but still, we, there are a lot of customers that have not yet taken advantage of auto-scaling, so that can help you automate and tap into those different capacity pools, including those that are deepest with the capacity-optimized strategy. Uh, and we see that right away after adopting that, customers are getting savings and getting access to the capacity that they need. Spot, uh, try it out. Uh, it could make sense for your particular workloads, but if to be sure, and if you need any technical help or technical guidance on how to architect for Spot, we have technical experts that can help with that. So with that, I want to thank you. Appreciate your attendance today. And uh, definitely, I'll be out back. We're not allowed to stay and keep the room. Um, but I'll be out back and out, and, and out the doors if there are any questions. And would love to hear about the projects and uh, areas where you want to continue to deploy in the cloud. Thank you.